Well, good afternoon, Genesis. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> My name is Kyle. I serve as one of the pastors here, and if you are new, newer, if you've been here for years, sincerely welcome. We are excited every week when God's people gather because we truly believe that when God's people gather, something supernatural happens, and we get a chance to know God, engage with God, and be transformed by God. So we're pumped you're here. Uh, if you ever at any point want more information on Genesis, just I'd encourage you to check out the living room as you exit later this afternoon. We have leaders who would love to talk with you. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. So, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the gospel, and thank you for your word. I pray that in the next moments we have together, uh, we'd have a time to interact with you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work on our hearts, and you work in our hearts, and you'd work through our hearts. We pray your name, Christ. Amen. So I would like to ask you a question uh, to think about for just a moment. What is the hardest question anyone has ever asked you? Maybe you don't even have an answer for it. Like, what's that one problem that you just can't get your mind wrapped around? Like, maybe it's the question of purpose. Like, why, why are we here? Why is there something rather than nothing? Maybe it's the question of origin. How did all this really come to be? Like, how did it really end up happening? Like, what is just that one question that you just you don't have an answer for? Earlier this week, I had to drive into downtown Boston to some random place, and so it gave me a lot of time to think about the hardest question I could ever think through, and I think I found it. And so I want to ask it to you this morning and see if you have an answer for it. How in the world did anybody ever get anywhere new without a GPS on their phone? <laughs> and I know if you're north of 40, you're going to tell me about the 18-fold map that's the size of a bedsheet. I'm not buying it. Like, I know people want to talk about the problem of pain and suffering. You got to explain to me the GPS thing first. And if I could be a diva for just one moment. The lady on the GPS, is she not the most smug woman you have ever heard talk? Because every time you plug in whatever you want to go, she's going to give you three different options. Just to say to me, Kyle, you can't find one. I found three. And then she's going to tell you what's the longest and what's the shortest. Why is that necessary? Why even give the option? Who's ever going to choose the longer of the three options? See, everything about us is we want to go immediately, now, quickest past possible, all the time. That's certainly true of driving. It's certainly true of every area of life. Certainly when it comes to spiritual things. Like, we want God to take us where we want to go as fast as possible. We want God to get us where we want to go. Don't want to smell the roses. Don't want to waste my time. God, bring me where I want to go. Of course, the frustrating part for most of us is this. God rarely brings us where we want to go on the quickest possible path. Actually, the opposite is true. God will lead us about 99% of the time, the long way. And when we think about Exodus 13, the second half of it, it's all about God leading the long way. The last five verses, it's about Israel as they start their march towards the promised land where God says, you're going to get there, but it's going to take a long time. And so if you have your Bible, open up to Exodus 13 and go to verse 17. And we're going to read the last five verses of the chapter. If you have your Bible on your phone, click on the ESV translation so we can all follow along together. 
So this is the long way, Exodus 13, starting in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and travel by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. The long way. The question I want us to think through the day is this, why does God lead the long way? Why does it take so long to see God move in our lives? Why does it take so long for God to answer prayer? Why does it take so long to grow in holiness, to grow in godliness, to grow in humility? Why do so many of us feel stuck, as if we know where we want to go, but we're just not seeing God bring us there on our timetable? Why would God want to lead us the long way? Because I'm guessing if I were to poll the room right now, all of us would say in some respect, in some area, it feels like we're on the long way. Like God's not moving quick enough. If my follow-up question were, was, who's enjoying the long way? I'm guessing everyone would say no. <laughs> so we have this tension that we have to interact with. Why does God lead the long way? And I think Exodus 13 teaches us at least three things about the long way. And here's the first. The long way has protection. So look with me again at verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. So now if you're an Israelite, you are not privileged to God's thoughts here. Right? You don't know who the Philistines are or what they're like. If you're an Israelite, you're actually probably full of excitement and like that good nervous energy because you just left Egypt, you're marching towards your freedom, you're marching toward the promised land, and then you see it right in front of you because it's near, because it's close, and now God, detour. You're going back into the wilderness. You're going the long way. And so what do you think the Israelites are thinking? It's confusion probably doubt. You're probably questioning God's leadership because, God, you told us to go there and hello, you have me over here now. See, it's what we do all the time. We, when we're on the long way, we're so quick to doubt God. We're so quick to question God because you, heard, you probably have a good vision for your life. You have a God vision for your life. You know what God wants you to do. You know how God wants you to live. You see it right in front of you, and yet you're on a detour, and it's taking way longer than you expect. Why wouldn't God move quicker if this is what he wants me to do anyway? And so this morning, this afternoon, I know some of us are doubting. We're complaining. We're questioning. 
Does God have any idea where he's taking me? Can I actually trust God's leadership in this moment? And if that's you, I would just remind you that God leads us the long way for protection. Because these two verses, they are full of God's grace and God's kindness. See, because God says, they're not ready to see the Philistines yet. The Israelites don't know that, but God knows that. See, because the Philistines, they're like this rough and tough, idol-worshiping, bloodthirsty man-killers. And God says, if my people see them right away, they will so quickly return to Egypt. They'll so quickly go back to Pharaoh. They're not ready for this fight yet. And the reason we know that to be true, in a couple years, they're actually going to meet the Philistines. And this is what they'll say in Numbers 14. Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. <laughs> they're totally terrified, right? And so God knows at this moment, no, if, he's, if they see the Philistines, they're going right back to what I just redeemed them from. See, the long way has protection even if we can't see it even if we don't know it. But what happens so often is on that long way, we start to doubt God's goodness towards us, and so we look for shortcuts. We look for the short path. We figure out, how can I get back to where God actually wants me to go? And as soon as you take that shortcut and that short path, you've never been closer to danger. You've never been closer to damage, to pain, to suffering, to hostility. Right, because the long way, that was for your protection. So let's just think about this for one second in the context of relationships. That could be one of many of us talk relationships. If you're here this morning, uh, let's talk to singleness for one second. You're single. If you're single, you might feel like God has you in the long way. For some, it might feel like it's the really long way. And you're looking at friends and all these people who are getting married and having kids, and you want that. You desire that, and you're thinking, God's going to have that for me one day. I'm looking at it. It's where he's leading me. Except in your singleness, it feels like I'm in the wilderness. It feels like I'm walking further away from what I want. And so what are you going to do? You're going to look for the shortcut. And you're going to do anything you can to get back to not being single, to trying to find a, a guy or a girl that you could be with. And so what will you do on that shortcut? Well, you're going to compromise. And you're going to get with some person who doesn't want to run after Jesus with you, who's spiritually lazy, spiritually apathetic, who's going to push the physical limits with you, who's not going to pursue you, who's not going to sacrifice for you, and they're going to do everything else that's going to lead down one path of pain, of damage, of danger, of devastation. Why? Because you didn't trust the long ways for your protection. Because you thought the shortcut would bring to what you really wanted. Let's talk about marriage for a second. All right, I know some of our marriages this morning, they are in really tough spots. Like marriage, there's good seasons, there's tough seasons. Some of us are in really tough seasons. And maybe your marriage has been nothing but dysfunction. And it's been anger and fighting. You can't remember the last time you had any real emotional or relational or physical intimacy. And you've been grinding away at it and it doesn't even feel like you've moved an inch forward feels like you're on the long way. Like how could this do what God wants for you? And so what are you going to do? You're going to look for the shortcut. You're going to try to get back to what you really want. And so instead of pouring into your marriage, instead of investing in it and, and having a marriage that honors God, 
It's going to look like a shortcut of pornography, complacency, fantasy, laziness, prayerlessness. And you follow that shortcut all the way down, damage, danger, devastation, hostility. Why? You didn't believe the long way is for your protection. Right? You thought the shortcut is what you really wanted. And listen, I get it. Like, again, not even talking relationships, just everything. When you see what you want and it's so close, it's right in front of you, you can almost taste it. And then you feel God detour you into the wilderness to take you that long way. Like the natural response is bitterness, anger, confusion, and I'm just going to find that shortcut. Get me back to what I really want to do. I'm just saying, don't do it. Like God has you in the long way for protection. And his protection is not unfounded. It's not arbitrary. No, God protects you because his protection is grounded in his promises. And that's the second thing I think Exodus 13 teaches us that the long way has promise. So look with me again at verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. They moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. So when you're being led on the long way and you're really feeling the longness of it, is it possible not just to get through it but to rejoice through it? Or is that just Christian idealism? Like, is there a way not just to grind through but to dance through? I don't want to oversimplify the problem, but I would say this. The difference between getting through and dancing through is whether or not you're grounded in the promises of God. And I say that because it's exactly what Moses does. Moses brings the people back 430 years to Joseph. Joseph, we read about him in the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible. Joseph was an Israelite who gained incredible power and influence in Egypt. He actually became second in command. He's actually the reason why all the Israelites ended up in Egypt. And right before Joseph dies, he, he pulls his sons and he says, listen, I'm about to die and you're about to go on the long way. It's going to be a really long way. For the next 400 some years, it's going to be the long way. But when I show up, when it feels like I'm not leading anymore, you remember, no, God has promised you a land. You have divine inheritance. God is going to show up. He's going to lead you from this place to what he promised our fathers years ago. Right? He grounds them in the promises of God. And he says, and since that's the case, when you leave, you better bring my bones with you because it's my promise too. See, it's the promises of God that get us through the long way. And I know that's the case because this is half a millennium later and he's still talking about it. People still know who Joseph is. They still understand the promises of God. If you want to dance on the long way, if you want to be a better person for it, you've got to be a person who grounds yourself in the promises of God. And so when you're tempted for that shortcut, and when you feel like God's not doing anything in you because of this, when you ground yourself in Philippians 1, that he who began a good work in me is faithful to finish it. But when you're feeling like God's not working for you anymore, like the long way is punishment, when you ground yourself in Romans 8, that he is working this for my good. And I might not get it, I might not understand it, 
but I know this is for my good. When you feel abandoned, when you feel like you're doing this alone, you ground yourself in Isaiah 41. I don't have nothing to fear. God is with me. He will strengthen me. He will help me. He will uphold me. When you feel completely weak, like your gas is out of tank, you ground yourself in 2 Corinthians 9 that God's grace is always sufficient, always, all the time. When you feel like the long way is punishment, and this is God just cracking the whip, you, know, you ground yourself in Psalm 104. God does not deal with me according to my iniquity, but according to his steadfast love. If you want to dance on the long way, you look back on the promises of God to get you forward to where he's leading you. If I can just be candid for a moment, the only reason I'm here right now is because God's promises. So when I first became a Christian, my wife became a Christian at a very similar time, and we really felt this call to plant a church. It's why we think we got called to ministry. It's why we think we got called to seminary. We just wanted to plant this church because it just feels like my skill set lines up with this, like God wants us to do this. And so we come out here for seminary, and our goal was get through school as fast as possible, and then go plant that church like you've always wanted to do, Kyle. And so we're doing this, and all while I'm going to school, I'm working part-time as an intern here, and we get to the final semester of Gordon-Conwell. And now we have to decide, okay, what are we actually going to do moving forward? And typically, it's nice if God just gives us one clear option. God gave us two really good options. He said, okay, you can go and plant this church. The opportunity was there. The people were there. The resources were there. All I had to do was sign the dotted line. The other option, transition to a full-time position here. And so now all of a sudden, there's like this wrestling match. Like, what do we want to do? Like, do you want to go do what you've always wanted to do? Do you want to do what you think God made you to do? Do you just want to go and plant this church, take the short path, get right to it right away? But at the same time, I felt like God wasn't done with us here yet at Genesis. Like there was still some leadership to grow into. There's still some pastoral muscles I had to grow. And so feet got held to the fire a little bit. We had to make a decision. What path are we going to take? The short path to planting, the longer path of pastoring here. Spoiler alert, I'm here. <laughs> but the reason I'm here is God's promise. Specifically, God's promise in Psalm 46, verse 10. And many of us know the first half of this verse, but it's the promise in the second half which just gave us rest. See, 46.10, God says, Be still and know that I am God because I will make my name great among the nations. I will make my name great among the earth. And for us in that season, just to know, I didn't need to plant a church for God's name to be made great. I wasn't responsible for making God's name known among the earth. It was God's promise to himself that he's on the hook for it. It just gave us this moment of, ah, I can rest. I can take the long path for a little bit. The promises of God are amazing and they're great, but I can also just say this. If you're on the long way this morning, it's not easy. Even knowing the promises of God, this desire to plant a church has not gone away. I still want, I still see that in front of me. That's still the land that I think God's bringing us towards. And honestly, the longer I've been on the, longer, the long path, 
the hotter these flames have been burning because I've seen God's promise over and over and over again. And so every day it's, okay, I'm going to take this long path because I know in the long path God's protection is there. And I know in the long path God's promise is there. And because I can experience protection, because I can know his promise, I will know his presence. I think it's the third thing Exodus 13 teaches us, that the long way has presence. Look with me again at verse 21. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Now I know what you're thinking because I thought the exact same thing when I read this text. If God could move in a pillar of smoke and fire right now, it'd be so much easier to follow him. Just, it'd be easier to know what to do. Like, what job should I take? Okay, go this way. Who should I marry? Okay, go this way. There's a little bit of envy, but I would argue as I thought about it, I think we have a serious advantage. Because here, yeah, God's presence is before them, it's with them, it's around them. But us, yeah, presence of with, presence around, presence before, presence in. Right? You have God's presence in you, leading you. The problem for us, it's not that we don't see his leading, not that we don't see his presence, we don't experience his presence. Right? We're not experiencing what it means to have God lead us by his presence. And of course, the question would then be, well, how do you experience God leading you in his presence? Well, there's a reason that the Christian disciplines have been the same for the last 2,000 plus years. If you want to experience God's presence lead you from within you, you've got to have regular rhythms in your life. You've got to have a regular rhythm of God's word. If you're not knowing God's word, enjoying God, saturating yourself in scripture, don't ever expect to feel God's presence lead you. When I first became a Christian, I remember reading George Mueller's biography. And George Mueller was this great man of God who did crazy awesome things uh, through an orphanage. And he would say when he had to make a decision, he wouldn't make it without spending at least five hours meditating on it in God's word. Because in God's word, that rhythm of scripture, that you experience what God leads and how God leads. You got to plan to pray, right? If you don't set aside time and say, this is when I'm going to pray, I can almost guarantee you won't pray. See, I see for me, the things that keep me from prayer, it's not sin. What keeps me from prayer is another email, another text. I want another five minutes of sleep. Right? If you don't plan to pray, you're never going to experience how God leads through prayer. You won't experience his spirit in you as you talk with the living God who created all things. Right? You've got to have a plan of this is when I'm going to pray. If you don't set up structure in your life to enjoy Christian community, to fellowship with like-minded believers, you're never going to know what it's like to experience God leading you. Because God has set it up in such a way that God speaks through friendship. God speaks through one-on-one -on -one discipleship. God speaks in a community of believers. But if you're going and playing the Lone Ranger game, you're not going to experience God's presence. If I could encourage you with one thing, it'd be this. Be a person of rhythm. 
and fight to have that rhythm. Because you ground yourself in that, your life's going to change as you walk the long way. Because you're not alone. You have God's presence with you. And when you're on that long way, you are going to experience protection. You will experience promise. You will experience presence. The question's not do you see, it's will you follow. Because the Israelites, they would see that pillar of cloud and fire for the next 40 years. And they would get lost all the time. They would not know where to go. It's a matter of experience. His presence is in you. Will you follow? I know almost all of us are on the long way this morning. And I know almost all of us want quicker paths to greener pastures. I wish I could tell you something different, but from everything I know and everything I've read and everything I've studied, God just doesn't work that way. God leads us the long way. And so let me just ask this final question. What shortcut are you on right now? What's the short path that you're taking that's trying to get back to where you want to go, not where God's leading you? Where are you complacent? Where do you have lack of intentionality and lack of mission? Where are you settling? What are you doing that you know God does not want you to do? Well, there is just a laziness that's characterizing your life. Where are you giving up too soon? Where are you not leaning into it? So you identify that spot, that's the shortcut. And if I could just warn you, you're robbing yourself. Get off that. God's offering you his protection. He's giving you his promise. He's giving you his presence. Just follow him because every moment is purposeful. I started by asking, why does God lead the long way? And if I could answer that as succinctly as I could, I would answer it by stealing a line from Amy Carmichael. And I would say, the reason God leads the long way is he gives you a chance to die. He gives you a chance to die to self so you can live for Christ. See, Amy Carmichael spent her whole life on the long way. Her whole life was one march on the long path. She lived in the 1800s. She really wanted to be a missionary. She felt, that's where God's leading me. That's that promised land. So that's where I'm going to go. And a little hastily, she ends up in Japan. When she's in Japan, nothing works out. It's dysfunction. It's pain, it's heartbreak, it's heartache, and eventually she has to leave Japan, goes back to Scotland. And she gets back to Scotland, and as you would imagine, she's confused, she's doubting. Why wouldn't God bless missionary work? It's where he wanted me to go. Well, she'd come to find out that it was protection. She had a brain abnormality, and if she would stay in the Japanese climate, she would have got cooked. But still, she said, okay, this is where I'm going, I'm going to follow and so I'm going to go to Sri Lanka. So she goes to Sri Lanka, second country now. And she's trying to do missionary work. And again, it is pain. It is heartbreak. It is headache. Doesn't work out. She gets sent away from Sri Lanka. And now again, doubt, confusion. God, what are you doing here? Why wouldn't you bless this work? I'm trying to help people see you. Well, it was the promises of God that kept her going. Specifically, the promises in John 10. And if you read her journal, she'll talk about there are sheep not of this fold. And Christ is going to bring them back in. So she said, if there are sheep, I will go. 
And so after Sri Lanka, she finally says, I guess I'm going to India. She goes to India immediately. Not what she expected. Heartache. Pain. Headache. She, there's this Western imperialism that just completely corrupted everything she's trying to do. There was the caste system that was completely devastating trying to spread the gospel. And so she's, God, what are you doing? Why am I here? Why'd you bring me here? And all of a sudden, when you read her journals, there's something that changed in Amy. She starts talking about the presence of God in a different way. She gets led to this village where she's made aware of these 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old girls who are being sold into temple prostitution at the Hindu temples. And she said, that's going to be my life. And the rest of her life, she gave herself over to rescuing these girls from their captors. She said, this is what God had for me the whole time. It just took me a long way to get there. And at the end of her life, someone asked her, Amy, what was the point of your life? She said, it's a chance to die. If you're on the long way, you have a chance to die this morning. To die to self. To die to preference. To die to timeline. You have a chance to die so you can begin to live and look like Christ. Because Christ, he did not take any shortcuts. For 33 years, he marched towards Jerusalem. And do you think Christ danced? Do you think he rejoiced on that march? I don't know. Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him, he endured. If you're on the long way this morning, you have a chance to die. And when you do, you will experience his protection, his promise, and his presence in a way you never have before. And when you finally get to where God's leading you, when you finally get to that spot, I have complete confidence that you'll be able to say with complete sincerity these two words, worth it. Let's pray.